it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. Hi, I'm Brews News Editor Matt Kirkegaard, and that's just what we're here to do, talk about beer in the brewing industry and have a conversation with the people who make the industry what it is and see what we can learn from them. And this week, we have a slightly different conversation as I meet Tim Maxwell and Alistair Gillespie from the Lord Howe Island Brewery. The brewery was announced in 2020 when I spoke with then Lion Managing Director James Brindley, who, together with Chuck Hahn, told how Lyon was working with the Maxwell family to build a brewery on the island. It turned out that caused a bit of a kerfuffle on the island, with many locals, including the competing Lord Howe Island Brewing Company, being unaware of Lyon's involvement in the project. It turned out that, maybe due to Chuck and James's enthusiasm for the project, I probably put too much emphasis on Lyon's involvement. In any event... With the brewery now open, Lyon's changing strategy, which is seen at close or rebrand at smaller craft breweries, leaves the multinationals' involvement in the brewery uncertain. For all of that, there is now a brewery on Lord Howe Island, and I was lucky enough to get the opportunity to visit it. I recorded this interview with Tim and Alistair while on the island, and in it we get to hear the background to how Lyon came to be involved and where that involvement stands now. More importantly, we talk about the very unique challenges of building a brewery on a small World Heritage listed island that is part of a very small and very tight-knit community. It's an interesting conversation that is as much about sustainability and community as it is about beer and brewing, and I hope you enjoy it. Tim Maxwell, Alistair Gillespie, welcome to Beer is a Conversation. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Matt. Uh, mate, I, I, I don't know why you're thanking me for having you. Thank you for having me. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's been such a thrill to uh, visit Lord Howe Island um, and, and, and be part of the uh, part of the Lord Howe experience. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, we are so passionate about this place, and and to show you around and to to immerse you in the community a bit, it's been uh, it's been an experience. Yeah, so, uh, well, look, I, I think we need to go back and uh, sort of introduce, as I always say for the podcast, you know, who is uh, Tim Maxwell and who is Alistair Gillespie. So maybe, Tim, start with you. you now, you are the owner of Island House and, and the brewery with your, with your dad. Um, Indeed. But what's your background? How, how did you come to be here? I ask myself that regularly. <laughs> but uh, basically, I grew up in Sydney. And um, my parents have a long history with the island, visiting as they were kids on the flying boats. And um, in 2000, um, a property came up, um, a business came up for sale in which my dad saw the advertisement. And it's very rare for, for businesses um, to come up for sale on the island. And um, they both came over and, and re-fell in love with the site and the place. Um, and what and so was that opportunity? It was a restaurant and a, a small accommodation business, basically. Mm-hmm. And my dad's always been known for his vision and, and he just saw what it could be um, in the future. And so I remember coming here, landing when I was about 12 years old and just seeing this beautiful place and, um, and eventually started spending my school holidays here and then 
um, I, I began in hospitality as soon as I finished school, working in pubs um, at the Golden Chief and, and, and many other spots and fell in love with hospitality and, and, and opened a bar in Sydney. And then the lockout laws hit and um, I, I just was drawn to the island for all of its attributes. Um, and we, we began building what is Island House, um, which is a, a small high-end lodge um, made up of two houses. And at the same time, in parallel, um, uh, a beautiful site um, came up uh, from the Lord Howe Island board, um, being the nursery, which was uh, a Kentia Palm nursery. And I just, I couldn't keep away. And so I said to dad, look, I want to be involved and I want to share your vision. And, and, and so that's how I'm here. There's so much we need to unpack in that because <laughs> of the, 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 the curiosities of Lord Howe Island, because when the opportunity came up for your dad to take the um, accommodation business and the, the, the restaurant business, that doesn't happen very often. And just being on the island, it's there there is the the local law or that you have to be a resident for 10 years before you can even lease um a business or buy Mm. uh accommodation here um but it it sounds like he was able to skirt that was there was there no interest in in the business at that stage was it yeah at that stage um you know for for residential housing it's very different but for businesses um obviously they need the opportunity to be able to sell and so um, there is a bit of a process where um, those those business owners are able to go out to the island and say, is anyone interested in this particular business? Um, and there's a few rounds of that interest um, sort of process. And if if not, then they are able to go to the mainland and, um, and you know, ordinary Australians, shall we call them, <laughs> um, are able to, 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 to bid on it and, and, and go for it. And so... Um, the result is that we're here now, but um, normally it's it's very 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 rare for a business to be on sale. What year was that that he took over? Two thousand. Two thousand, and you became involved in the, the um, about two thousand and sixteen. Something like that. And yeah. it was always your plan. Clearly, we're going to be talking about a brewery at some stage sure. during this podcast, but there's so Absolutely. much more about this, um, you know, and, and to, to the listeners, uh, you know, bear with us. We will talk about breweries, but it's one of the things that fascinates me about this story is the way that everything is integrated into community, which is, I find fascinating about breweries. And uh, this is almost the, the ultimate um, for that. But your family took over the the, the, the nursery um, that breeds Kentia palms that are native um, to Lord Howe Island or endemic yes. to uh, Lord Howe Island and uh, is the major export business um, for, for this little speck in the ocean. Yeah, indeed. And um, I suppose um, to ensure that we do focus on beer, um, <laughs> you know, the, the nursery site um, came up uh, for expressions of interest um, in 2014 and um, basically everyone had a crack at what their vision for the site was and again um, my dad had a vision um, to turn which is quite a large site into a community hub and so um, began sort of thinking up different activations that this community could really benefit from um, and so um, we proposed five different activations. It was a, a microbrewery. It was to continue the Kentia Palm operation, to grow um, fresh produce um, for the island. And then 
there's also a cooking school in there which we haven't activated um and 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 sort of a, a restaurant offering um to celebrate all of the things that we're growing and brewing and all of those sorts of things so um my ears pricked up about beer obviously being from a hospitality background and so um i I, I sort of got involved in that direction. That was the that was the start for me. What was the attraction of a brewery? Because it, just to set the scene, it's a a small island with three hundred and seventy eight um, inhabitants or people who live on the island, and yes. uh, visiting is capped at four hundred at any one time. So it's a very very small community. Um, what was the thinking in having a brewery um, on, on the island? I suppose. Um, what we feel is a good idea starts to unfold and the more we think about the island and um, what it means not just for the community here but what Lord Howe Island represents for Australia, um, we started seeing um, a community that was one shipping pallets of beer made mostly of water onto this remote location um, we started seeing all of these different things that we were growing at the nursery that could also be um, complementary to beer and then broader um, in, in through the environment that's very unique here. Um, and But most of all, this big, beautiful open site that was surrounded by these ancient banyan trees and kentia palms that the community could sort of have an expansive experience, drinking beers, having good food, and um and and so we really saw it as a community hub and i think that's what breweries have shown to 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 be for for lots of different regional cities around australia i suspect i'm going to keep pulling you back to to little details because there is so much that can just be glossed over um when we tell a story like this but when you said you know people on an island on holidays want to drink beer it comes over on a ship there is a ship that comes over um once a fortnight um, but the, the, the cost of a, a, a cubic metre um, coming across on that ship is phenomenal. It ranges 480 to 530, I think it is now, Alistair. It's, yeah, 580 yeah, a cubic metre. I think about 600 bucks, basically. <laughs> it's, not, it's not cheap. So um, to get a pallet of beer across is adding $600 just in, in, in the freight costs over, over, over everything else. Absolutely. Yeah. And, of course, creating waste issues. One of the things that we're going to talk about is sustainability. And the island is very much, it's World Heritage listed, but it really brings sustainability into sharp um, focus when, when you're talking about every can that comes on the island has to also go off the island. It's, it's not just uh, putting out a wheelie bin. Absolutely. Um, and I suppose um, it's, it's also about for people trying to order things you know, delays right now where we're sitting here on the island after a very rainy and uh, a windy episode. And so there's boats out there that have been staying there due to the weather. Mm. And so those shipping things can start to, to go forward and back and it becomes unreliable. So everyone needs beer, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was part of the plan to, to have a brewery um, to provide for that. Um, how, how do you cost out because again it's a very very small community it's uh you know beer is expensive um with all of the costs on it and then you add the additional cost to it was it a business plan or was was it just part of the integration of what you were creating yeah i think as a whole um the nursery site was a vision 
and the costings and the planning and the business side of things kind of followed the vision. And so from the outset, um, we declare that we are not uh, brewing experts. We're not technical experts um, to try and cost up a brewery where we don't even know where to find a good quality one. Um, it was all a process and I suppose we'll get into it further, but that's where we really needed the help from industry experts and, and, and technical experts. And so once we sort of started to understand and unpack all of the different ambitious targets of trying to find a brewery, ship a brewery, install and commission a brewery, um, its place amongst a very fragile environment and how to care for the waste of that brewery, um, the business kind of planning followed those outcomes mm. in in talking to those experts and and this is where I probably have to have a little bit of a mea culpa because uh, you know, as listeners will know I, I think it was about two and a half years ago I, I interviewed James Brindley and uh, who brought on Chuck Hahn and they were very excited to announce they were uh, putting a brewery onto Lord Howe Island and uh, you know, again, coming from the background, we're deeply suspicious of Lion <laughs> Moat because it's trying to prize stories like that out of them and to have it handed to you, it just assumed it was their brewery. But in a tightly knit community, that landed like a little bit of a bomb because it wasn't Lion. They were helping the, the, the brewery that you were already putting in. Sure. Um, I think James and, and Chuck are just so enthusiastic and their their beautiful entrepreneurial spirit is is really um, what captivated us in the beginning. And so, I suppose maybe it's helpful to give you a little bit of a a, a short history on That'd Chuck and and how he became involved. But basically, my my uh, my uncle lives in Jindabyne, and um, it's a small community over there. And Dad and I um, were in Darwin, and we were just watching these guys slam down cozies. And I was thinking, look, if we're in Darwin and people can see what Kosciuszko means for Australia and this beautiful natural icon that's attached to a, a great small community, Chuck has got to be interesting to talk to about our plans and about our vision. Um, and so I asked my uncle, you wouldn't happen to have Chuck Hahn's number, would you? And he said, give me a minute. <laughs> and uh, And so... I just remember being in Darwin surrounded by all of these muddy troopies um, calling um, the great beer god and, um, and said, hey, Chuck, look, you don't know me, but we're from Lord Howe Island and we've got approval for a brewery here. Um, we don't exactly know how to go about any of it, but, um, you know, could we have a chat about it? And he said, oh, Tim, oh, great to hear from you. Yeah, come, 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 come meet me in Sydney and let's talk about it. And so, uh, so we found ourselves at Malt Shovel Brewery um, with kind of a, um, a, a tap bank with a cozy tap deckle and then the, the mountains and lagoon of Lord Howe Island. And we said, do you see it? And he said, oh, yeah, I see it. And, um, and so let's, let's chat. And so we began unpacking that process of, right, well, what are the environmental controls on Lord Howe Island? What are the freight considerations? A brewer. <laughs> Who's going to brew the beer? And we are going to come to you, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so 
the the beauty of um, this process and getting to know Chuck um, and just his encyclopedic knowledge on different brewing systems. Um, he's a petrochemical engineer, so the the wastewater considerations that were needed, um, and you know I. I love the wastewater that we've got for two different reasons. Um, one is um, because of its um, functionality, but the other is that it introduced us to Alistair. Mm. <laughs> um, because uh, Chuck said, "Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak to a guy at Byron Bay because he's been using the system and um, and he'll have some good thoughts." And uh, and then a, a very exciting call from Chuck was that um, Alistair was was that guy, and uh, he loves water. He loves um, all of the activities that you can do in it and um, loves brewing beer and he's got a really good science background. So um, enter Alistair Gillespie. <laughs> <laughs> so Alistair, you're the brewer here, but uh, you were brewing at Byron Bay. So tell us a little bit about, I guess, step back, tell us a little bit about how you came to be brewing at Byron Bay. Okay, yeah. So I, I was um, brewing in South Africa um, about 10 years ago and... Um, my parents had moved to Australia. I had a visa to come to Australia and I could work here and I didn't have to go through the rigmarole of getting a permanent residence visa. And I just pretty much cold called Byron Bay Brewery and said well, that they had a, a position for head brewer that going and I applied and we had some, some Zoom com- conversations and I actually flew over for the job. So got very lucky just to land in Byron Bay straight out of South Africa. Ended up um, brewing. And I have to just say before, before your background was in mushrooms. Your, yeah. your, your, your study was in, in, in mushrooms because that will come True. relevant uh, later in the story. True. So yeah, I had I had finished um, studying microbiology at um, University of Cape Town and I did my thesis on the antioxidant uh, potential of uh, cultivated and wild mushrooms. And I was sort of set on becoming a gourmet mushroom farmer. It was just <laughs> everything I, I was just so passionate about it. And I felt it was a very understudied um, section of science. No one, everyone was um, studying bacteria and viruses in my micro class and no one was studying fungi. So I, yeah, I did my thesis on that and I, I actually moved to Australia and got a job in a mushroom farm. And while I was here, I was like, this beer is so expensive in Australia <laughs> coming from a third world country. I couldn't believe how expensive beer was and how accessible home brewing was, you know. So I went to Woolies, got a Cooper's kit and started, you know, just like most people, just started brewing beer in the bathroom and sharing it with friends and tinkering. And um, and at that time, I, um, I went back to South Africa to be with my wife and... Um, she found a assistant brewer job in Gumtree, and I just uh, launched into the beer world. And um, yeah, that was this was in South Africa. In South Africa, yep. yeah, and and uh, luckily landed a job with um, a real up and coming craft brewery there, Devil's Peak, and um, was there for three years. And then yeah, this opportunity in Bahrain came up. And so, so you were there when you you were uh, match made with uh, Barry, Chuck with yeah Barry Shadle owned it. It was a private um, private brewery, and after a year of working for them, uh, Lion came and and bought the brewery. Um, and yeah, it was a period of growth for the brand. It um, it was fantastic working for Lion. They, they added a lot of uh, infrastructure and um, resources. Um, and uh, yeah, got our beer out, out and about around the, the country, which was awesome. 
And yeah, I guess at one stage or another, I installed a biogill wastewater treatment plant at, at Byron Bay just to polish our wastewater. And um, and that's when I started getting calls from Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> he sh- I, I remember the moment clearly. I was actually doing a, um, a stint at Mulch Shovel Brewery during COVID. And he walked up the stairs and he had this uh, flip file and he had a, a brochure of Lord Howe with a big aerial <laughs> photo. I was like, where is that? That looks like a great place to jump in for a snorkel or a fish. So, um, yeah. Just explain to me, again, this is a little bit of a rabbit hole, but explain to the, the Biogill bio system and why it was necessary at Byron Bay. Well, at as most uh, brewers will be familiar, like when in the brewing process, when you're treating um, your wastewater, and your wastewater could be bits of yeast, bit of beer, bit of detergents from cleaning the tanks, you need to um, clean that water, and and by clean it, I mean um, get rid of some of the biological matter in that water. And what struck me about the biogill system was that it was so um, plug and play and so robust. It um, it essentially the system treats water by spraying it over a sheet uh, sheets of um, material, so a lot of surface area, a lot of oxygen, and on those sheets uh, bacteria grow, and it's it's the sort of native um, aerobic bacteria of that region, and they just the bacteria that grow are the ones that like eating those foods, so it sort of self selects and self sort of um, evolves, um, and. We were able to uh, get our uh, BOD uh, results almost instantly with the system. And, BOD, just for those who... Uh, biological oxygen demand. Thank you. So, the, um, yeah, basically how pure the water was. Mm-hmm. And um, so I struck up a good uh, relationship with the guys there and just learned the system in, in and out and um, worked with them to sort of modify the designs and... Um, and yeah, I became quite passionate about those systems. And, and yeah, when Chuck called me about a recommendation for the island, which had such stringent wastewater treatment plants, um, for those in the know, the BOD had to be basically single digits, which is, is kind of unheard of in an urban brewery. You, you, you would rather let council treat that water to the, such a purity. Um, but on the island, there's no um, sort of centralized sewer systems. You, you have to treat your own water. And so, yeah, we worked with the, the Biogill guys to um, create a special system that would work for the island. Um, and, yeah, I mean, to, to get into the nuts and bolts, it's, it's a, it, the, the beauty of the system is that the water recirculates through the system again and again. And so those bacteria get a chance to keep feeding on that food until it's basically all gone. And, yeah, we get our, our water analyzed by Southern Cross University and when we get the results we want then we open another valve and that water gets drip fed into the banyan forest that surrounds the brewery so it's um yeah it's it 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 feels good to use such a good system because we know we're not making an impact on this world heritage site Mm. that was a nice little uh, sideline into the biogill system which Mm. i'm sure a lot of our (laughs) brewers will be interested in but it uh, when you were approached to to come here, was it a hard sell? Was it or <laughs> was that a hard sell or a hard sell? A hard sell. <laughs> I um I didn't take much convincing after I saw that aerial photo. I um I had always wanted to live on a sort of uh, island making small batches of beer. <laughs> it was literally my sort of dream. So um 
yeah, when Chuck started mentioning it, I, I almost felt like I didn't even need to check with my wife. I was like, <laughs> we're going. <laughs> but, but I did check with her. And we, we came out to the island for a, a short stay of about five days. I caught a kingfish. Please, can I tell this story? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, Alistair was coming out for um, a, a sort of a recce, if you will, and to introduce the community to, to some different flavors that could be possibly um <clears throat> a future direction and um and you're from a, a spear fishing background but um yep. catching fish on lord Howe island can sometimes be a fruitful endeavor or it can be stark um depending on the day and so um we had a bit going on but i said look there's a spot by the rocks just go out fishing um just chuck it in we're back you'll be right and um and then we didn't see Alistair for about five hours or so. And in came Alistair through the door with this smile ear to ear, <laughs> a fish hook through his leg <laughs> and a kingfish on his back. And I was like, You all right? He said, I'm amazing. This is good. <laughs> Yep, and I didn't catch a fish for about a year after no, that. Yeah. <laughs> so somebody putting it on your line, and, and yeah, pretty much. But but you left line to to come here because again that that was one of the things that it wasn't initially it wasn't uh, made clear that you were leaving line to to come here, and it wasn't your only job on the island. Yeah. So um, when Chuck told me about the job, he was he said. Um, you know, he told me about the Maxwells and their vision for the the site and and um, the brand. And he also said that half of the role was growing veggies. And I had never really done that. Uh, definitely not commercially. So um, I just asked if they had YouTube, and <laughs> I just worked it out as I went. Um, with the background in science, I figured I could. Um, have a crack at the hydroponic system and and um luckily the infrastructure that tim and his dad had put in at the nursery was phenomenal it, it took out a lot of the the brain work so um yeah for a couple of days a week i'm sort of pruning tomatoes and um planting rocket and um yeah more recently set up a mushroom grow room so sort of so you're back to the mushrooms coming full <laughs> circle back to trying to grow and do you do the Ken- uh, kentia palms as well um so yeah, the Kentia palms are a big industry of the site. We export four hundred thousand seedlings um, a year. Um, I don't have too much to do with that on a day to day basis, but um, sort of help with the research and development and how how we're sort of um, furthering the sort of the science of germination and um, trying to ensure that every year we get a better yield and sort of how we plant those seeds. Um, so I sort of get involved with that, but not not on a day-to-day basis. So Tim, back to you. Now we've seen over the last 18 months, Lion has, you know, Lion was involved as a partner and I believe that the arrangement was that the brewery was yours, but for sales that were taking place on the mainland, they you know had, had the rights to those or and paying a commission back or paying a, a license fee back. Um, was the original plan, but we've we've seen Lion withdraw from a number of their smaller breweries, and I believe that negotiations are currently underway. And you, you're not exactly sure what the um, arrangement will be, but uh, it, it looks like it'll be changed from the original plan. Yeah, I think from the outset, what was always great is that um, you know we we own the brand 100, percent and it's really important to us um, 
first and foremost is that we we represent this community and we represent this island um, and all of its beautiful attributes um, to to the broader population of Australia and beyond possibly. And so, you know, we've always been in discussions with back then James and and uh, James Brindley and, and and Chuck about how those sort of um, formats could work. And and obviously, um, Lion is going through some strategic change. Mm. And for us over here on the island, um, we've it's easy in all. Uh, matters of life to get stuck in a bubble and we've just been caught in a bubble of building this brewery building this brand amongst this community and the eventual um sort of growth onto the mainland um is is sort of up for discussion and it's um it's been great now that alistair's been here for some time he's joined the the ownership team um, and I suppose those discussions of what next and, and Lion's involvement, it's, it's all in discussion. Mm. Um, and so we're kind of looking forward to nailing down the details and, um, and how we go about um, telling the story of Lord Howe Island and, it's, and, and, and showing the, the beauty of what this place is and, and, and its unchanging purity and things um, in time. But I suppose our focus has always been the community. But it was such an unusual story. Story. It was such an unusual way for Lion to work. And again, I have to take my uh, responsibility for it because it was presented to us in a way, and we just assume, well, this is the way Lion works. But it was a very. Um, it, it sounded like it was a very personal project for Chuck and James, right? you know, as much as it was a, a Lion project, um, which is very unusual that they would get involved in such a small little brewery the way that they did. Yeah, I suppose um, what we believe um, is exciting about Lord Howe Island as as a brand and as a place is that whoever you are um, and whatever you're into, when you come to the island, you'll see it through a lens of your passions. So if you're into adventure or if you're into nature and science, if you're into just relaxation on a beach with two people on it um looking at mountains with a crystal clear lagoon whatever it might be um there is something for you here and it's it's like going back in time you know there's people in the back of a ute the speed limit's 25 kilometers an hour um you know there's there's barbecues scattered around looking at beautiful natural scenery and so it is it sort of harks back to an australia of old um, and, and those simple pleasures. And then that's sort of at face value and experience value. But then moving forward, there's this amazing legal protection in place in, inside of the UNESCO and World Heritage uh, listing. And that means that legally this uh, natural icon will always be protected. It's mm-hmm. never going to be gentrified or overpopulated. And so from a brand perspective, what that means um, to the broader population or um, as years go by and the world changes, this place will always be um, a a place of unchanging purity. Um, And so talking to Chuck and talking to James about those attributes and, um, you know, having Chuck on the island for the first time um, and him really seeing it for what it is, um, was just so exciting, and they they saw the need um, for for us to to to, to ensure that the story is told correctly, 
um, the brand is represented correctly and that's why we made sure that we own 100% of everything um, and and that way going forward and, and for it to to go to the mainland and obviously, you know, we're not, you know, experts in, in distribution and all of those sorts of things and that's where James is really pricked up and I think on your previous podcast where they excitedly um, were mentioning Lord Howe Island, it's because... Um, I think James really saw a way for for, for them to help um, to 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 take and make this a dollar, hopefully, and make themselves. a dollar. Hopefully, yeah. everything's got to be commercially <laughs> yeah. viable for sure. Um, but uh, but but that's where it was like, look, Chuck's passionate about it. I'm passionate about it. Mm. Let's see how we can really um, make this thing um, work. But the other thing that came out of that is that between you conceiving the plan to put a brewery onto the island and it actually occurring um another group of locals created a a beer brand that they were getting made in sydney i believe um and it sounds like there was a little bit of tension between in in a very small community a little bit of tension between the 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 two groups or yeah i think look in every in every small community you always have um joint interests and and things um you know the way that uh, the island works from a hospitality perspective is that different places open up at different times to make sure that the 400 tourists that do visit and the the locals that do visit are able to 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 sort of coexist um, and and cooperate in that respect and and for us obviously things um, in the middle of the Tasman Sea take time and to to plan these technical elements of um, you know. The environment and the wastewater and shipping and um, the logistics and the commissioning uh, it takes time and so from 2014 when we went out to the community and we spent a lot of time developing what would be the Lord Highland Brewery um, you know these guys chose to build a brand um, a beer brand as well and you know we know them well we wave to them on the street probably five times a day. It'd be hard to avoid them. It's <laughs> yeah, a, it's, but it's not about avoiding at all. I yeah, mean, I, I, I had a beer. Was, yeah. yeah I, had a beer, I had a beer with Anthony last week um, and we wish them well in their in their way of doing things. It's mm. not our way of doing things. Um, we, we really did want to build a venue and a, and a place for people to come and congregate and for the community to experience it firsthand what we're brewing here. Um, and obviously the the... The, the main choice of brewing on the island um, is 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 a big thing that is a distinguishing factor, um, but we wish them well and it's not it's not ill. It, it, there's no malice or anything. Um, there's a good competitive spirit as you can imagine, but we wish them the best. But it's a you know it's a small island literally, but then also it's small with you know fewer than four hundred permanent residents and. A lot of them have been here, you know, very proudly for five, six, and seven generations. Um, you, you, you see, and you know, in island time, you're a blow-in. <laughs> you know, yeah, had, yeah has, sure. has that been a challenge? Yeah, I, you know, sometimes there's the the new kid at school feeling, um, and it's the community here has been developing over over those generations and those sort of. Um, those uh, those families that have really established um, themselves here um, have have built a beautiful, um, I suppose, community feel. And so, to come onto the island um, as a as a relative newcomer, um, and not only sort of partake in the community, but also to have 
um, businesses here and, and, and things, I suppose I f- feel more than anything, and I know our, our whole family feels this, is it's a responsibility to, to do our bit, um, take part and to contribute to, to the life that exists here. Um, and to contribute to the community and to contribute to um, bringing people together where we can or to be a part of different um, initiatives where we can. Yeah, and I mean, just from from my perspective as a, as a real outsider <laughs> coming from South Africa, um, just seeing how the brewery was received by the community from day dot was indicative of how generously the Maxwell family has uh, provided in the in the the form of a community hub with a brewery and a pizzeria and just the mentality of sustainability that they've brought to this community in that offering um i think it's 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 uh, just yeah like i say from day one it was just recognized as a real um attribute to the island and even if the family hasn't been here for that long it's 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 already one of the the sort of favorite places for the locals to go and it was Mm. it was accepted from from day one and um yeah i think just some of the choices that they've they've made to you know brew fresh beer on the island where freshness is not something that's a given you know when you're buying produce you either getting it shipped over or if the kegs are coming over from the mainland and they're getting rocked around at sea and 50 knot winds or whatever um, to have fresh uh, fresh beer brewed on the island, fresh veggies grown on the island. And and the veggies and the beer are sold at reasonable prices. It's $8 for a schooner. It's, it's not like we're trying this, any uh, sort of um, extortion happening here for this but, Which in itself, and, and there's a whole thing about the business of it that you know w- would be a challenge, but... Last night I was speaking to, I think it was the CEO of the Board of Governors, and you know it was fascinating to hear what a very, very finely balanced machine the island is. You know, talking about things coming in on on the ship, and you know the the, the ship survey isn't nearly out, and knowing that there's going to be another ship to take its place because you know the the, the aviation fuel. To, to get people flying in there, there was just so many moving parts. But mm. then it's World Heritage listed with incredible focus on, um, you know, sustainability. And, you know, I, I just sort of, it was really interesting to hear the way that she even talked about having a brewery on the island that is so focused on sustainability but isn't creating, um, you know, as a can waste or, you know, because you don't package on the island so it's growlers, um, which is one of the times I see growlers actually have a place because, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, we, we don't, we don't can our beer at all, mm. and it's it's for one of those reasons. Um, the to can on the island uh, would be bringing a pallet of empty cans <laughs> over to the island. I feel like half of them would be dented by the time they get you. Then a you know a complex canning procedure where you know there's no Bunnings within 600 kilometers. You know we, we, if you're missing a valve or a, um, a gasket or something, you um, you wait for that next ship basically. So. The choice for growlers meant bring a pallet of growlers over, and and then um, they just keep on coming back to the bar, and it's it's a beautiful thing. It's 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 there's no waste, and um, similarly with the the way that the brew, brewery was designed, um, 
we're serving our beer directly from the um, from the tanks that I brew into, um, and that's another sort of benefit for the freshness of the beer and also the man hours. You know, I'm not filtering or kegging or it's all just fresh from the tank and that brew pub models obviously keeps the profit in the business we're not um sort of trying to wholesale at a discount and so that was also one of the sort of clever designs of the the whole brewery talk a little bit about the sustainability because brewing as as much as we would like it not to be is a fairly it's an energy intensive it's a fairly harsh you know in terms of chemical use and and things like that how do you manage you know your energy because there is a solar plant on on the island with a backup generator um but i'd imagine you have to be very conscious of energy use for example yeah definitely and and credit to chuck with designing the the kit um which was yeah before I joined the project the 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 hot hot water tank that we we used to brew with that's that's electrical it's got a big element and that's then therefore powered by the sun from this big solar farm which is yeah really impressive um, and even just managing when we heat up our water and how big an element we can use we we actually heat heat it up during the 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 period of the day that has the least um, usage and I've got a little timer that it, it flicks on and and it goes throughout the night and takes about seven hours to heat up my water which is kind of laughable in a in a commercial brewery but um, it's it's all these kind of adaptations that you need to make when you're considering where you are and um, otherwise we use LPG for our for our kettle which is a sort of short burst of high high intensity energy um and we one of my favorite attributes of the whole brewery is being surrounded by glass houses we catch rainwater and that's what the water that we brew with and it's it's a beautiful soft water you can imagine there's no dissolved salts when it falls from the sky and surrounded by 600 kilometers of ocean you know there's there's no impurities in that so um it's a treat to brew with yeah, I suppose also adding to the sustainability element from a brand perspective, one of our big goals and one of our future hopes and something that we've been spending quite a lot of time on is um, raising the profile of this environment that we have here um, through the the biodiversity of um, different botanical elements. And so we've recently just um, formed a partnership with um, Southern Cross University and a few other industry people. Um, one one professor from Imperial College has been helping us as well identify potential um, endemic ingredients um, in the permanent park preserve um, that we might be able to use in our beer and then hopefully um, showcase them to the to the broader domestic market. Well, I think we're drinking the bully lager, the, the bully bush lager, which is yeah. I think believe bully bush is endemic to. Uh, Lord Howe? Yeah, a real interest, interesting plant. It looks a little bit like a relative of rosemary, but it's um, it's a species unto its own and um, has some of those terpenes and pinenes that give you those resinous, piney characters. And um, yeah, I just paired that with a quite a crisp, neutral lager. Just tasting it, it's not that pungent, piney character. It's almost the um you know the, the feeling of pine on, on your tongue i think it's trigeminal is the the word that they used to describe it like the the just that feeling of pine mm. that you get much more than a a, a, a flavor or a, a aroma of it yeah yeah i mean i i tried it initially in an ipa for, for the sort of american sort of resinous characters but um 
paired in a lager, I feel like you're right. Mm. It's, it's got almost a more noble character that, um, yeah, it's just so exciting. We've just got so many interesting botanicals that we we can play with. And it's it's a bit of a um, yeah playground being surrounded by 12 kilometers of this beautiful endemic and, and natural vegetation. And um, just to it, use plants that no one's ever used before, you know, we have to send the, the bully bush off to get analyzed with HPLC and just make sure the, the compounds in it um were nothing scary and because this island was never inhabited um prior to european settlers there's no sort of history of use uh, um of these plants so it, it's it's cool to be sort of breaking ground in that in that um area and that's this podcast it's a beer podcast so we have to always bring it back to beer but this could easily be an environmental they're just it's mind-blowing to learn the history of the island and the way that's been managed and even more recently the way that you know, pests have been eradicated and things but um we, we might have to save that for uh, you know australian sustainability news um but, but there is so much but again it, it's something that you're constantly reminded of as passing through the island um whether it's the brewery or the nursery or anywhere um that it's a very very small ecosystem whether it's a community or you know environment yeah. yeah i think one of the cool things about beer is that it's it's a, a vessel um for either community engagement to to relax or to experiment with some pretty um you know fragile and and new things and so to to culminate all of these things in our humble little site um in the middle of the tasman is a really fun and ongoing experiment um you know uh, just last night we had dinner matt where we were drinking this bully bush lager and um one of the guys at the table um is very involved in the weed eradication program so he's always dealing with different endemics and He's um he's very up on all of the different species out there, and he's just tasting it and 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 trading notes with Alistair, and so all of these different engagements um, that it fleshes out are just it's a it's there's never a dull moment. Oh, it's funny you say that. One of the things I love most about beer is you can shrink the world down to a beer glass, and every element that you deal with can just be seen through the prism of beer. And uh, I, I I think this is a highly concentrated version of that when when you see the the all of those things that you just mentioned. Mm, yeah, and uh, I suppose um, one idea always flows on to another, to another, to another, and, and, and talking about those sustainability elements or how we can tweak things to um, get our beer um, not just to, to, to the mainland but also just to the further reaches of the island even though we're so mm. small. Um, we're constantly talking about um, different ways of you know packaging the beer so that it can be enjoyed in different settings and it's awesome seeing you know someone riding their bike down the road with a growler hanging out of their <laughs> backpack or in the in the front basket of their bike so um it's a, it's a constant challenge but it's it's the sort of challenges that we we really uh enjoy yeah if you do take the beer to the mainland for example um i mean i presume it would have to be brewed on the mainland because of all of the challenges that we've talked Absolutely, about yeah at the end of the day it's a food science problem you know you, you can make anything anywhere but does it lose a little bit of the magic if it's not from the island or is it a beer that you should only enjoy on the island what 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 are your thoughts about that well 
I think the that's that's a great question, and it's a it's an area we we do often think about and talk about, and and from the from the outset, we we just knew the potential of of like what we've been saying, all these botanical plants, and and um, making sure that Lord How Brewery has a, a unique. Um, flavor um, characteristic that is distinctively of the island and i mean from day dot i've been using local honey in the lager which um obviously adds some of the the, the rich uh, mm. botanicals all condensed into a, a fermentable sugar so um using using local produce like bully bush or, or honey is is i don't know it's 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 part of the the fingerprint of this beer and um something that we we strongly believe in and 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 want to develop more and research more and um really just come up with a a flavor profile that's even if it was to be made on the mainland at some stage we can hand on heart say this is a lord Howe island beer yeah and i think the cool thing is you know for for those listeners that um need to understand where the brewery and how the nursery interact is that that the brewery sits on a site surrounded by um, a large sort of plant propagation operation. We've got different glass houses that surround us. We have igloos that surround us. Um, and so in our search and our journey to, to find complementary uh, endemic ingredients, we then have the ability to grow them um, at a scale that would be needed to, to grow them for mainland distribution. So we are set up in that respect in time, um, in island time, <laughs> uh, to, to, to generally get these things together and then create that special, unreplicatable, unique um, celebration of our island home and to then put that authentically in beer on the mainland to make sure that it really does have a substantial um, place and anchor. You won't have an L's rainwater though. We won't have we won't have the rainwater. You have to come to the island for that. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. So, and what is the vision? You know, because the, the, COVID put a few holes in getting the, the the brewery up. The brewery is now up yeah. and running. It again, as an observer, it seems to have been braced by the community from the the, the two nights I've gotten to, to to see it. What is the the vision for the next period? Well, the vision for the next period, I suppose, is to we've we've found that. Doing and developing, you know, the the brand in stages um, has has worked because bit by bit we're able to um, experiment and then prove those experiments in in either the the way that we're making the beer, the way we're bringing it to the people, and obviously it's a big jump across the Tasman. Um, but to find like-minded people um, and to celebrate what is Lord Howe Island with them. So um, it might be through, again, those adventure elements. It might be through the, um, the, the food elements of um, these endemic ingredients and what they can do with food. Um, I suppose we, we had a good time last night um, with slow-cooked foods and celebrating these unique ingredients matched with beers. And, and so there's lots of different areas we think that the beer um, would complement an experience. Um, you know, sailors love you know, Lord Howe Island for, for obvious reasons and, and, and sailors love beer too. So there's, there's just lots of different avenues to find our people, 
to, to find like-minded people. And that's something that we're looking forward to, to taking that journey in time um, and to find those like-minded people and enjoy a beer together. Once you're on sale on the mainland, though, once it's being produced there, I, I guess you do then start bumping up against the other Lord Howe Island. So you've got Lord Howe Island Brewing Company and Lord Howe Island, Lord Howe Island Brewery Company. How do you differentiate yourself um, when you're competing in, in the, that sort of marketplace? Well, I suppose um, we just keep on doing what we've been doing. Um, to 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 just be super clear, we're the Lord Howe Island Brewery, yep. um, and and that's our that's our brand name and things, and and um, we're looking forward to 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 seeing that marketplace and seeing how it reacts to what we're creating over here. We we hope to do in time limited releases from the island. Um, you know, barrel aged is something that. Uh, Alistair's been knocking around within his head for, for a good two years now. And so the, the opportunity to do limited releases from here, but then also to, to um, see what we can do with our brewery here and on the mainland, um, you know, that, that mainland market, um, I think we'll see what we're doing on the island and, and, and hopefully, that, um, hopefully that vision extends. Uh, it's up to us to, to make sure it does. And uh, last night we had a very interesting uh, cracking mushroom stout. Tell tell us about that one. Yeah, I, I I'm a big fan of alliteration, and um, shiitake stout had been stuck in my head for, for years. <laughs> um, having a background in um, gourmet mushrooms, I I just knew that those umami flavors of um, mushrooms and shiitakes especially would complement a big uh, boozy stout. Um, so. Yeah, I brewed a 7% American stout and um, during the boil just had a bit of fun. I, I had ordered over some uh, reishi mushroom, uh, lion's mane, shiitake, and then I foraged some locally grown um, woodier jellies from the forests here and um, also used some oyster mushrooms that I cultivated. And it was a bit of uh, sort of nerves just adding into the boil i didn't I had no idea how much grams per liter to use but um yeah just using the actual whole fruiting bodies of the mushrooms and um trying to get that flavor flavor level right um boiling boiling mushrooms extracts its medicinal comp compounds so i wanted to add them in the boil and then i did actually add um, more um, extract into the um, secondary fermenter and yeah i, I was pretty happy of how it turned out <laughs> it's um uh, it was a chilly evening so it was nice to have a, a, a big rich start it was and it was lovely and congratulations on it well uh, tim maxwell alistair gillespie um thank you very much for joining us for this conversation it's a, a, a I, there is so much more though i'm just very conscious of time there was so much more i'd like to go into about the island and and everything but uh, thank you very much for having this conversation about beer in the lord howe island brewery thank you thanks matt and that was Tim Maxwell and Alistair Gillespie. Full disclosure, I was the brewery's guest on the island and I was very well looked after. At the same time, you really need to see the island and the brewery to get a sense of the place the brewery occupies and what they're trying to achieve and the challenges that are involved. So I was very grateful for the chance to visit. If you like this conversation and would like to make sure we can continue to deliver podcasts like this one, help us out. 
If you're a business that wants to reach professional brewers and brewery owners, we think we're the most targeted way to do that. We have the conversations that the industry listens to and they can hear your message as well. Shoot through an email to sam at brewsnews.com.au to find out how you can advertise. Don't forget we'll be back later this week with our news podcast talking about all of the news of the week and we look forward to you joining us then.